I'm Andy Viano, a staff writer at the Flathead Beacon, and today is Friday, March 27th. This is the Beacon's podcast on the novel coronavirus, COVID-19, and its impact on the Flathead Valley. This podcast and all of the Beacon's work in print and online is made possible by the members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. To support our work or find out more about the club, visit beaconeditorsclub.com. On today's show, we'll talk a bit about sports, the frivolous bit of life that is supposed to provide comfort in times of extreme stress like these, but, of course, has been put aside for the sake of all of our safety. High school sports are no exception, and in a minute, you'll hear my conversation with Big Fork High School Activities Director Matt Porovecchio about the spring high school sports season, which has so far been postponed by the Montana High School Association through April 13th, but not canceled. Stay tuned later in the show for the most recent news and updates, including a big announcement out of Glacier National Park and up-to-date numbers on the coronavirus. But now, here's my conversation with Matt Porovecchio, the AD at Big Fork High School. This call is now being recorded. Hey, Matt. Hey, Andy. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, no worries. I don't. I'm not going to have a lot of information for you either, Andy. I tell you what, I'm in, probably in the same boat you guys are. We're just yeah. Waiting, well, I mean, why don't we start? Why don't we start there then? What do you know? Beyond is it anything beyond sort of the MHSA's directive that? We'll say yeah, more on April 13th. Yep. And that is honestly, you know, unless I missed an email somewhere, which I don't think is the case, I would uh, reckon that this all goes uphill and that they're waiting to see what the state does, right? I mean, at a larger level. And my guess would be kind of like uh, their their process for evaluating the state basketball. They're going to wait and see what happens in the moment so that they don't make a decision and have to go back on it because the information is just coming out, you know, hourly. I would guess that on, you know, April 12th or 13th, they'll send out an email based on where the the rest of the state's at as far as, like, you know, schools being able to gather. And Because it would make sense then that if the schools aren't able to meet, well, then they're not going to do anything either. Conversely, if they're saying, hey, schools can start getting back together and larger groups can meet, then they'd probably make a a decision based on that information. But there's no way in hell they're going to know that like anybody else. I mean, I really think they're probably waiting for the emails that you and I are waiting for at some level. Do you, I, I know some states have already said, you know, and at the college level certainly have said spring sports season yeah, is just, over. Some states have said school year is over, figure it out, do it remotely. Yeah, and then there are others yeah. like Montana that's kind of doing it in these, in these two-week chunks. Do you uh, yeah. appreciate that approach? It, it kind of, I guess, in some ways gives kids hope, yeah. but at the same time makes makes planning, I'm sure, a little tougher. I would say probably from like a maybe like a selfish standpoint, all of us would like to know long term, right? So we can plan scheduling, prepping for events, things of that nature, right? And I think that's just inherent in how the sports world operates. You got it. The earlier you know, the better, so you can make adjustments, event staff, and and letting your kids know. But I so I think that would probably be most convenient. That said, I really do believe that everybody making these decisions would appreciate that, but nobody really knows, you know, and so I think in the absence of, uh, you know, long-term information from anybody, I think everybody's just kind of doing the best they can, including the MHSA with the information they have trickling out. So, yeah, what I like, okay, you guys are done for the rest of the school year. We'll just call spring sports a wash and we'll 
fired up mid late summer to see where the where the fall uh, fall sports are, are going to be. Yeah, but I don't think that's realistic for them at this particular point because they just don't know, you know. And I think they'd be really just based on how everything else is rolled out in the state. They're just not going to be able to have the information they need to make a real solid decision. So I think they're just doing what they have to do. So yeah, what I like. Yep, you guys are done. Start making plans for something else. Great, but I, I just don't think they have the ability to do that at this particular point. Have you had much communication with your your coaches since this happened? Well, we're talking a couple of weeks ago now. Or given them any direction on, on kind of how to talk to the student athletes, who I'm sure seniors in particularly are are pretty disappointed right now. Oh, totally. You know, and I and I. Yeah, and and I wouldn't say uh, extensive. It isn't like we're meeting weekly and having de- debriefs, but I've reached out to all of our spring coaches, either in the form of an email and then some individually, just because I think they do. I think there's that component where these relationships, no surprise, they have these strong relationships with kids, and there's kids that really count on these coaches and the relationships they have with them and, and the experiences they're anticipating to have, and then not having that there does create some questions. So, you know, more than anything, I think it's been questions from, uh, and not a lot, I don't want to overplay it, but, you know, hey, can we do this? Can we, you know, workouts and things of that nature? And and really my message to coaches has been, like, you know, if an individual student wants, hey, I'm working out at home, can you give me some ideas of things to do? Sure, we're going we're gonna to want to support those kids in that light. But really my position has been is being very cautious with the message that we really don't want kids providing any lifeline oh we can get together and go do this at the track or hey let's go play tennis the coach gave us a workout because i don't want that to be the case i mean the the mhsa has been pretty pretty clear about practices competitions it's all off the table and i don't i don't want to have any mixed messages from our our end too where kids start gathering in groups and doing coach prescribed workouts i just don't think that's a wise again in light of everything not knowing where everything's going to go i just don't think that's a as much as I don't want kids disappointed, I don't want to send them messages where they, th- they think they should be getting together and doing things either. Well, I, I mean, I'm sure you don't want to get them sick either. I mean, those are recommendations, I think, for social distancing oh, or, yeah. or would still apply to them, right? Well, and you know, and I my, I have Italian roots and relatives in northern Italy, and so I've been kind of watching. And, again, I, I, don't, I couldn't tell you the first thing about, you know, medical science or pandemics or any of that stuff, but I do, knew that, I do know – um, you know, if you don't take it seriously and you and you kind of turn your nose up at some of these recommendations, oh yeah, it's just a handful of kids they can get together or whatever the the thought process might be, you, you risk extending things. Is my thought. You know, my one line that I stole and I and I I can't even remember who I gave it to, but I'd read it somewhere. You know, we'll never know if we overreact, but we sure as hell know if we un, you know if we don't follow these guidelines, right? People are going to get really sick and, and bad things could happen. And so I'd rather just come off as being over overly cautious and following the guidelines to a T, if not overly so, and then just knowing that we did the best we could and kept people safe and healthy. And I'd rather be accused of being overly cautious and not taking things seriously and having somebody get hurt, you know, a, a loved one, a relative, a grandparent, that last thing, and then I'll let you go, and, and I don't want to dwell too much on, on the past, but you, you mentioned the state basketball tournament, and you had a team there. I, I'm, yep. I'm curious what sort of direction you gave the team at that time, and, and 
I know it, it got, uh, I think it got to a point there where, where there were some people raising some alarms about kind of why, why is this, this tournament still going? And, and I know by Saturday, uh, you know, unfortunately your team had been eliminated. I mean, what, what yeah. were you doing and, and what was the administrative plan at, at Big Fork High to make sure that, that everybody was safe, uh, that weekend? You know, other than the information we had been kind of conveying to kids already, during the, the during school about, you know, being really thoughtful about washing your hands. You know, if you think about three, four, whatever that was now, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, geez, just the environment then compared to now is night and day. So, you know, the thought process and the mentality, and I think everybody thought it was serious, but it's it's different when you're not able to go to school anymore, and it's different when you're on a um, stay-at-home order to where we were at three weeks ago. And so I think I think the tones changed, but at that particular moment, I think people are just being more, more thoughtful about how they were doing things. And I think the MHSA at that particular event did a really good job of putting out information to teams and at their coaches' meeting and administrative meeting before the tournament started about being thoughtful. And they were doing a, height, you know, heightened awareness about wiping down things and cleaning the locker rooms. And so I think it was, uh, it was certainly there, and the, you know, messages for kids to to heightened uh, level of cleanliness to some extent. You know, it was just different. I mean, that, and it was only three weeks ago. You know, it was only three weeks ago. But we had we had kids in rooms together. We had kids, you know, switching, flip-flopping locker rooms, sitting in a gym with, you know, thousands of people that now there's no way in hell that would occur. Always appreciate the uh, the time, Matt. Good to talk to you. Yeah, likewise, Andy. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for all you guys are doing and hang in there and – Hopefully we'll get the chance to see you sometime soon. Yeah, yeah, sometime soon. Here's the latest news on the novel coronavirus, COVID-19, as of 6 p.m. on Friday, March 27th. The number of cases in Montana continued its recent spike on Friday, reaching 121 by the end of the day, nearly twice as many as the state was reporting on Wednesday. 31 new cases were added Friday, and the 121 total cases now cover 18 different counties. Locally, there have been six confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Flathead County, three in Lincoln County, and one in Lake County. According to state health officials, seven patients have been hospitalized due to the virus. Montana reported its first death from COVID-19 late on Thursday night, and Friday it was revealed that the man who passed was 77-year-old Jim Tomlin, a former high school biology teacher who retired to Libby a decade ago. Tomlin's son told the Associated Press that his father had returned from a road trip in California when he started experiencing symptoms on Monday. Three days later, Tomlin died at a hospital in Kalispell, after being placed in a medically-induced coma. In other news, Glacier National Park is closed to visitors as of 5 p.m. Friday. Governor Steve Bullock had previously requested that Glacier join other national parks, including Yellowstone and Grand Teton, in closing in response to the COVID-19 outbreak. Community leaders in a number of gateway communities, including Whitefish and Browning, supported the decision, which was made in consultation with Flathead County, Glacier County, Blackfeet Nation, and Montana officials. 
The Flathead and Kootenai National Forests also announced closures on Friday, shutting down a number of developed campgrounds, cabins, lookouts, and restrooms. The closures do not affect trailheads, recreation areas, dispersed camping sites, and lake access sites, which remain open as of Friday. For more information on these and other stories and all the latest developments, visit flatheadbeacon.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter. We'll be off this weekend, but back on Monday with an all-new episode. If you have not done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. That's all for now. Thanks for listening.